I'm Marianne Kolbesuk McGee, Managing Editor of Healthcare Info Security. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Dale Nordenberg, founder of the Medical Device Innovation Safety and Security Consortium, or MDISS. Dale will be speaking to us about medical device security issues that healthcare organizations should be paying attention to. Hi, Dale. Tell us briefly about your organization and your role. Uh, sure, Marian. Our organization started about two years ago. Our founding organizations included Kaiser Permanente and the VA healthcare system. We were started because of concerns that these organizations had around medical devices and specifically security vulnerabilities that they perceived that these devices had and the potential adverse impact that a vulnerability, an exploited vulnerability might have in terms of patient safety and patient quality of care. Since that time, we've been able to recruit over 35 different healthcare organizations, many of the leading or, many of the leading healthcare organizations across the country, but not only the large organizations, we've also made sure that we were reaching down to achieve a broad spectrum of representation. So we have county-based healthcare organizations, we've got smaller smaller hospitals or smaller healthcare systems in, in addition to these, you know, large national enterprises. My role is that of executive director, and really I see my role primarily being the, the convening and facilitation of contribution by uh, our expert organizations, which not only include the healthcare delivery organizations that I've mentioned, but also include government agencies who are actively participating in, in the consortium, as well as technology companies, uh, including manufacturers. So uh, what we've tried to do in the, in, the, in the consortium is to create a robust ecosystem of stakeholders that are interested in medical device uh, innovation, uh, safety, and security. Why are medical devices a security risk? Medical devices, like any computing device in today's world, are vulnerable to intrusion, either intentional intrusion, such as a hacking event or or perhaps a spurious event such as malware that's being distributed uh, around the, the Internet. They, they have become vulnerable, or we should say more vulnerable, as medical devices have evolved from standalone electronic devices to networked computing devices. And as that has evolved over the last several years, what's happened is that each, each healthcare enterprise, each enterprise that's delivering care to patients now has an organically grown medical device network. When you look across a given geography, you really have a medical device network that exists at the city level or the state level and ultimately at a country level. There obviously are really, it's really a network of networks. However, what we really need to understand today is that our whole national healthcare system is really sitting on top of a network, a national network, a national medical device network. Now, each one of these medical devices, uh, just like anyone's laptop or anyone's administrative computer on a network, is vulnerable, potentially vulnerable, to malware or to hacking. And what differentiates these devices from your typical computer are two things. One is that these devices, by definition, a medical device is involved in some way with patient care, which makes it a device of significant interest because 
our public's health are dependent, is dependent on these devices. Secondly, these devices are regulated by the FDA. And as such, it is not as simple, it's not a trivial task for healthcare systems to manage the security-related issues uh, in the same way that they, they can be managed for a non-regulated computing device. So, for example, the very routine task of patching an operating system that we all do on a probably a weekly basis for our laptops or other other administrative computers cannot be done in as trivial way or as a casual way for medical devices because, again, they are regulated. And there are certain steps that must be considered. Same thing for applying anti-malware software. You cannot just go start deploying software to medical devices without contacting a manufacturer and having that manufacturer approve such steps, and that often involves the manufacturer having to install the software or the patch, going through a process of validation, and then potentially going through a process with the, with the FDA. So for a given institution that has literally thousands or tens of thousands of medical devices, this becomes a very significant IT administrative task, operational task, and uh, even makes the risk, if you will, uh, more complex. What medical devices do you think are most vulnerable to security issues that could pose safety concerns for patients? This is a difficult question to answer in, in terms of prioritizing which devices would be either most vulnerable or, or most important. There are a large number of devices that impact a patient's quality of care, and we can identify certain devices that it would be very obvious that if they malfunctioned, that the impact on a patient could be catastrophic or dangerous or or increase uh, even even mild to moderate risks of, of morbidity or, or, or compromise the patient care. So devices, for example, that deliver doses of radiation, that class of device, if it were not functioning properly, would represent a potentially significant risk to a patient. Devices that infuse therapeutics into a patient's vascular system, into their bloodstream, which would render it the ability to have immediate impact on a patient's health status is, is another class of device that is of significant interest. So, for example, an infusion pump that is delivering vasoactive drugs, drugs that impact cardiac function, heart function, or lung function, or other critical organ function, if these were to malfunction, it's clear that the therapeutic dose would be compromised or would be wrong, and as a consequence, the patient's health status would be compromised. And this could happen very, very suddenly and instantaneously. Other examples of similar classes of devices would be insulin pumps. And there have been hacking, not only hacking attempts, but in controlled settings. Security experts have successfully hacked into insulin pumps, as you're probably aware of. They've also successfully hacked into cardiac defibrillators and demonstrated the ability to actually control these at distance. So, again, when we're looking at which are most vulnerable, uh, that's a complex question, and I think what we'd sort of like asking, what's more important, the front wheels of a car or the back wheels of a car? There are many devices that are very important that can impact a patient's healthcare outcome very immediately, as well as, as, well as devices that are more if you will, subtle in, in, the, in their impact if they were to malfunction. So diagnostic devices wouldn't immediately cause the same sort of catastrophic impact that a malfunctioning radiation device or a malfunctioning infusion device 
might deliver. But it can, by delivering, if you will, the wrong diagnosis, put into play a long cascade of uh, events that would really compromise patient care. And then there are other considerations. Where is a device deployed? Is it deployed in the intensive care unit? Is the device de- deployed on the floor? And how does it impact, if you will, criticality of the device? This is an interesting conversation. Many people believe that a device that is deployed on the in the ICU is a more critical device that's deployed on the floor. But as a physician, when we look at these things, it's not, not so trivial. For example, a, de- a device that malfunctions on the floor if it affects the patient, it may not be picked up for many hours because the patient may not be on real-time continuous monitoring. But the same patient, if they were in the intensive care unit and a device malfunctioned and the patient was compromised, then, in fact, we may pick up that problem very readily because monitors would pick up a, a disruption in the, way, in the patient's health status. So these are complex questions. But we do know, though, is that there are approximately 1 billion patient encounters per year in this country. That's an estimate by the Centers for Disease Control. That includes both inpatient and outpatient events uh, or patient encounters. And each one of those encounters today probably includes, you know, one or more contacts, one or more exposures, if you will, to a digitally-enabled medical device. So what we can see is the exposure to digitally-enabled medical devices today is very significant and that when you consider that the exposure to, for example, malware today is not only pervasive but also accelerating, probably this is a much more important issue than, for example, hacking, which while that could be catastrophic on a person-to-person level, malware, for example, can target either intentionally or might impact large populations of devices unintentionally but it works at scale. So as, as we look at these things, we really have to consider where the device is located, what the device is doing, and also whether or not the device can be impacted at scale, such as, you know, the case of malware. How should health entities be assessing for these sorts of risks, and how should they be mitigating them? This, like the other questions, this is a, you know, this is a complex issue, and we say you never want to be an interesting case as a patient. And I think from a public health perspective, the issue of medical device security is a quote-unquote interesting case, and that really means it's complex. And the reason that MDIS was formed was, as we noted, to bring together the ecosystem. In fact, there are three things that MDIS is, three goals that, that it has. One is to create this ecosystem of stakeholders and bring them together to to really help mitigate the risk for medical devices. It does that by one helping to scope out and better understand the risk. We believe that the risk of medical devices, uh, medical device security and its associated risk to the patient and to privacy is still not clearly understood and clearly not quantified. So in addition to building the ecosystem, the second goal is to better quantify the risk epidemiologically. The third goal of the consortium is to work together to collaborate to figure out how to mitigate that risk. It's important to realize that no one stakeholder, be it the healthcare delivery organization or the manufacturer or technology companies, can mitigate the risk. That's the importance of MDIS. And the other, other important aspect of MDIS is to, is to really drive this, if you will, from the perspective of the patient through the healthcare delivery organization and then to pull in the manufacturers and the, and the technology companies. So it's a very public health-centric approach. Now, I give you this background because the answer to this question is that what healthcare systems can and should do is to, one, address these from a very technical level within their organization, 
and many of them are starting to do this. It can include strategies such as isolating the medical devices on a network. It doesn't solve all the problem, and in fact, it creates other challenges because it puts all the devices behind. You know, in a segregated network, it means it's harder for these devices to participate in connected health, which is one of the prime strategies right now for improving the quality of our healthcare system. It also makes it harder to monitor the devices, and it also doesn't ensure that all the devices you put into this isolated network weren't already infected, for example. So there are complicated issues, but isolating the medical devices behind a firewall and putting them into segregated networks is one, one strategy that was deployed with some success initially by the VA and by other organizations. Then there are a host of other activities that are very routine for other IT devices, just ensuring that you've got the most recent updates to the system as they become available from the manufacturer. Other thing uh, I think that would be very important is to really create, increase awareness across the institution about these risks, improve training around this, improve the way the operators of the medical devices are getting trained as well. But beyond the immediate concerns that are occurring on a day-to-day -day basis inside the hospital, it's important for hospitals to make a contribution through organizations such as MDIS to make a contribution to the thought leadership and to the market and industry approach to medical device security and safety and privacy. So what I mean by that is even if we can figure out how to design a perfect medical device from a security perspective, it takes three to five years to get that into the design cycle. If you want to create a new standard, it takes three to five years. What we're trying to do is actually work with the healthcare delivery organizations, and you can consider this a call to action to any healthcare delivery organization that's on the top, you know, that's listening to this, this podcast, that, you know, to please reach back out to us because we'd love to get their input into what are their requirements, what are the challenges they're experiencing on the front lines uh, with regard to medical devices, because that contribution from them today helps us coordinate feedback to manufacturers or to the companies that are building the wireless infrastructures in hospitals or the wired infrastructure in hospitals or the companies that are struggling with how do you secure a medical device from malware in an effective way, in a way that's more challenging than a regular computing device for the reasons we discussed. So getting that feedback from hospitals, I think, is, is a major contribution that they can make today that will have, have impact. We can then translate those issues, translate those requirements, and actually some of the things that MDIS is engaged in are the creation of tools to help with the procurement of medical devices with security in mind. What do you think we might see on the regulatory front this year when it comes to medical device security? Are there any regulations that are being worked on that, are, that will be important? Well, the regulatory bodies are very engaged on this topic right now. And the reason is, is multifactorial. I think, one, they independently have recognized the, the challenges around medical device security. Two, because of certain high-profile examples of hacking, there's been pressure from various policy groups, uh, including uh, government groups, uh, such as GAO, that have started to examine the Government Accountability Office, or GAO, which has started to examine security vulnerability in wireless medical devices or implantable medical devices, for example. And what people are realizing is that the population of medical devices is very diverse, and that creates complexity. And so, for example, even defining what a medical device is in the wireless world, 
in the mHealth world is proving difficult. And as such, the process of creating regulation around that is also complex and difficult. For example, you want to create regulation to safeguard the public's health. At the same time, you want to ensure that that regulation does not stifle innovation. That innovation is critical to enabling our nation's response to our healthcare challenges, and we want to support industry in that innovation, but at the same time, we have to figure out how to do that in a way, regulate that in a way to promote patient safety. So we get into situations where uh, you have devices that are general use devices, handheld devices that we use for our day-to-day activities, and all of a sudden, people create software, and they load it up with software, and now it's functioning in a way that 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 integrated device, the software and the general use device now, now functions in a way that it probably falls into the category of a medical device. And all of that is getting sorted out right now. I think what we're going to see in the coming 12 months is increasing clarity around how do we define a medical device, how do we define a wireless medical device, what are the critical issues in terms of uh, regulating these devices. Uh, I think all of this is going to be um, much clearer by the end of uh, 2013. It's not only the role of the FDA, FDA, but the FCC is very much involved with this as well, and and they've, in the last 12 months, have uh, initiated uh, working groups around this issue, around uh, spectrum and around communications that are critical to mobile health, and they're also very actively engaged in this as well. So I, I think that while we can't say definitively what the regulators will come out with, we, we know that they're working actively on this. There are active policy groups on this. The robust growth of mHealth and its promise to change healthcare is, is driving a lot of this. I think we'll see some really improved clarity, which is going to be a major contribution. Are there any new developments or initiatives that you're planning at MDIS that you would like to tell us about? When MDIS took a step back in its first two years, as we started to develop the consortium, we tried to, t- tried to identify what we could, how we can have the, the most significant impact in the shortest period of time. We, what we decided, we observed a couple of things, which I've already mentioned. One is that regulation is often complex and hard, and it's a hard and long process. The development of standards, formal standards, also is a process that could take three plus, three to five years, you know, comfortably. But as an organization with a public health vision and a public health drive, which is to, as quickly as possible, scope out the risk and mitigate the risk, what we as a group of, if you will, ecosystem stakeholders that can benefit from the perspectives of the healthcare delivery organizations experiencing the challenges of managing tens of thousands or thousands to tens of thousands of digitally enabled connected network devices, what we discovered was that we can help influence the procurement process. And so, in essence, what we're trying to do in collaboration with all members of the ecosystem, not just the healthcare organizations, but also to take into account the input of manufacturers and the infrastructure companies and the anti-malware companies and the boutique security companies, is to understand how to build a really robust set of requirements around security and how to translate those into tool sets that can facilitate a healthcare delivery organization's ability to differentiate devices based on their security attributes. Now, 
there's two short ways of saying that. One is we're trying to achieve public health through procurement. Uh, we believe that ultimately what we do will be incorporated into standards in some way and will ultimately influence regulation. But this is really a market-based approach. So one of the things we're doing is developing a tool that cost adjusts medical devices based on the security attributes. This delivers a very important message to the market, which is healthcare organizations are willing to pay for security. Two years ago when we started, manufacturers were asking the question, will healthcare delivery organizations pay for security? And the fact that this cost-based tool, which was developed at John Muir Healthcare System, has been deployed and is now being modified by MDIS, uh, the fact that this has been well-received both by healthcare systems and manufacturers supports our market-based approach. And in addition, what we're trying to do is leverage the requirements that we're embedding in this tool to also help contribute to the growing list of requirements around medical device security that are, have been coming up from some other organizations, but which uh, we feel we can, we can help contribute uh, through the you know, robust input of healthcare delivery organizations. Thanks, Dale. I've been speaking to Dr. Dale Nordenberg of the Medical Device Innovation, Safety, and Security Consortium. I'm Marianne Kolbasak-McGee for Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.